0: come to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: Can people be in two places at the same time? Can loved ones communicate with you through birds and animals? What are the butterfly people? Well, hello and welcome to the 674th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul. Uh, ben usually does this part, but he's uh, tied up as producer today. Yeah. Uh, and those curious questions uh, are a result of my curiosity about these subjects and a lot of the uh, material we received from listeners today, uh, which is an uh, open line show that we're bringing you with our most popular guest co-host, Shane Searway. Hey, everybody. All How right. You uh, we welcome your calls. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or 401-766-1240 here in Northern Rhode Island, and we will monitor Paul at behindtheparanormal.com for emails. So let's dive right in. Okay, here is uh, let's start with Facebook as we very often do, and we have a an update as it were, from a very popular case we've been working on, or Ben and I have been working on anyway, From since 2005. We work on cases for a long time and Shane joined us uh, in the middle of that and uh, so we're all familiar with it and so are the listeners because we talk about it a lot. Here's uh, a comment from Donna who uh, by way of an update, who lives in the house. Uh, ben, if you would like to read this. I,
2: I would like to read this. Okay, so okay. Donna writes to us, uh, Can a doppelganger... Exp- uh, experience, uh, be a voice when someone is somewhere else. Today I was in the kitchen, walked into the living room, and Bob was, uh, was not still, uh, sitting in his chair, so I called out and asked where he was. Uh, He was upstairs in the bedroom, laying down, and clearly said so. So I walked over to the foot of the stairs and asked him if he was okay. He said yes, so I sat down and went on my laptop. A few minutes later, I heard it would sound like someone knocking on the front door. So I got up and went to see who it was, and looked out the front door and saw Bob in the yard, chopping ice. I was so confused. I opened the door and asked him uh, how he got out there, and he said he just told me he was... Or he said he had just told me he was laying down upstairs and he said he had been outside for over half an hour and was never upstairs.
1: Well, there we have it. Shane, Have you ever, the doppelganger, first of all, is a German word that essentially means a double uh, of whoever is experiencing the doppelganger. Or a twin. Okay. So, Shane, have you read into this before? I mean, we have. People hearing voices of people who aren't there, loved ones, people they know, or occasionally seeing people in two different places at the same time.
0: Oh, yeah, and even, you know, we we hear about rarely some people seeing themselves or hearing themselves, uh, which is really rare. But, I mean, something like this at this house doesn't surprise me because they're seeing other things from other places or other, you know. Um, but now this is not the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that this happened to Donna because she, um, she uh, was calling out to, um, well, she heard Bob out in the backyard one day Calling out uh, for help or whatever, and she went down there. I think, if I remember correctly, he wasn't there. Uh, so it's not the first time. Um, I've actually ran into this. I've told this story on the show before, uh, where I was in a house and um, I was banging on a on a window. Um, I own a remodeling business, and I was banging on a window trying to get it out. And turn around, and there's somebody standing behind me. Um, you know, it, it, but. Well, here's my example. Of what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say here is this person didn't didn't see me, um, but they heard the noise I was making. So it's kind of kind of odd that she, you know, she Bob responded while he was upstairs, but yet he was really outside. So I mean, if it's if it's a if it's a slip or a bleed-over in, in parallels, it, it's it's interesting that he, you know, his his place in another parallel heard her calling to him when he mm-hmm. was upstairs. But yet he was actually outside. Now the confusion would have been if, if she actually would have went up there and called out to him, and he, he, you know, him and his other parallel didn't see her actually standing there, or you know if that would have worked that way. I'm, I'm interested, but this house is um, quite fascinating, and you never like we never know a lot what to of intersects, expect.
1: and uh, you know for as long as anybody can remember. Uh, ben, any comments on that? Well, I mean. You know, that literally anything and everything has happened there. It's like
2: the Murphy's Law of the paranormal. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, it's another another thing to add on the list of weird things that just keep happening at that house.
1: Well, one of the things that I notice is that when, or I, or I believe happens when people experience this sort of thing, is that it's not necessarily that people are, are crossing over into their world entirely. The parallels, as Shane very well puts it very well, is uh, so you've got two versions of her husband one in the upstairs bedroom one in the yard she hears the one from upstairs and she sees the one in the yard it seems to me that the parallel includes the crossover or bleed over includes her and i think when we are experiencing paranormal phenomena if our theories are correct then what's happening is that you yourself are partially in the world of whatever it is you're experiencing partially partially across the boundary uh, which is why for example in talked about this case ad nauseum in the Bridgeport house, because it's the best example I have, um, when you could almost see these translucent figures coming down the hallway, one of them standing in front of me trying to get at the little girl in this Bridgeport Poltergeist of of 74. And I pushed against it, and it it was perfectly physical, yet it it looked translucent, all right, or transparent. And um, I think I was partially in its world, that seems to be how it works. So that if I were not, I might not have seen it or f- certainly not felt it. So that, that's our theory anyway on that. So very interesting report. And we get reports all the time uh, from this case. We, it's, this is the Litchfield Triangle, as we call it. Many, many things going on there. All kinds of Bigfoot sightings, UFOs, military activity, many, many different witnesses from all over this whole area and uh, extending all the way really to the Hudson Valley in New York uh, and as far east as really Middletown, Connecticut, and it's and as far south as Bridgeport and the Long Island Sound. It's a, it's a really huge area with a center of about five square miles that seems to be the most active, at least so far. So that's the latest on that. Now we have we have another communication, very very interesting and rather beautiful story I think from uh, our good friend Hadja Al muid who was uh, a guest on the show several weeks ago, uh, and li- lives in New York State, is a professor there. And um, this uh, and she sends the, us this report as it was appeared in uh, the website, The Mysterious Universe. Who'd like to do the honors on this one? Um. Well, there's a couple of different stories. I mean, I, I,
2: I guess I guess I'll take it. Okay. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Alrighty. So,
1: well, how about I boiled this down a little because it was.
2: Yeah, horrible. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of, stuff, a, lot of and a lot of details. Cause I, I was taking a glance at it before before we even got to it. Um, so an E an EF five tornado uh, tore through Joplin, Missouri on. Um, the 22nd of May, 2011, the tornado, a mile-wide, killed 158 people in this town of 5,789 50, pe- or, Sorry, 50,789 and injured 1,150 people. Insurance claims uh, reached towards $3 billion uh, when the storm was gone and dazed residents uh, started to shift through the rubble, or, yeah, shift through the rubble, um... Of what was once their lives stories, strange stories, began to seep through the horror. Stories of the butterfly people. Now sounds kinda goofy, but bear with us here. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's beautiful. So cousins uh Lange, is that how that's I don't know, L A G E Lage Lodge, well, I don't know. Gr- Lodge, uh Grigsby fourteen, and Mason Lillard, ten, were in their grandparents' truck when the tornado hit. The 200-mile-an-hour winds picked up the truck and tossed it more than 300 feet across the parking lot. Grigsby was thrown from the vehicle, and Lillard was pinned inside, but both saw the same thing, people with wings. According to the story uh, in the Joplin Globe, a hand touched Lillard's shoulder as she lay in the wreckage of her uh, grandparents' vehicle. Uh, She thought it was Grigsby, but uh, when she looked, it was something this church-going child didn't expect, the butterfly people. Uh, one with brown hair and the other, uh, with blonde. Uh, she told the Globe it was kind of calming. <clears throat> uh, kind of
0: s- calming.
2: Kind of, kind of, I yeah, guess. Just, yeah, Just a just little. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, recounted the story of a mother, uh, running for shelter while holding her young daughter. Uh, the, w- the wind knocked them to the ground, and the mother saw the, uh, twister lift a car and shoot it towards them. The mother called her daughter, trying to protect her from the impact, or cradled her daughter, I should say, uh, an impact uh, that never occurred. When she looked up, her daughter said, uh, didn't you see the butterfly people? Then went on to tell her mother that she could see these butterfly entities carrying people through the sky. Uh, but the story didn't end. More people, always children, uh, and from all around the city reported seeing the same thing, people with wings. Uh, and They were always described as butterflies, butterfly people, standing and flying over them in the storm, protecting them uh, from the raining debris. Wind tossed around a car of a man and his daughter, uh, but the little girl wasn't afraid because beautiful butterfly people were sitting in the car with them. According to an article on Yahoo News, uh, another car accounted, t- uh, accounted as a four-year-old boy claiming two butterfly people held his father's car as the tornado tried to take it. Uh, another four-year-old boy who was whisked 6 miles into the into a field told rescuers angels caught him and sat him down safely you know it's interesting that's the only part of this where someone actually calls them angels
1: it is and i was thinking that angels do not look like butterflies i mean i mean whatever angels you know the the, the folklorish appearance of angels as as in art you know flying people you know you're going to put wings on them because th- that in ancient art w- would portray the notion that they were airborne uh, somehow. Okay? Yeah. But I've never heard angels described as butterflies, or at least not anything like that very often. Shane, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never heard of this story. It's quite interesting. Uh,
1: well, what's interesting, too, is that it's all, it's all children, and they, they apparently, at least if the, if the reports are accurate, and that's a big if, it's 35 years in journalism talking, you never know what these things, they use the term butterfly people. That, that's an interesting term, I've, you know. You, you're sure, you got Mothman, you know, and right, all this, right. but I've never.
0: So popped in my head. But is this a reoccurring thing? Is it still going on? or is this just one time? This is this.
1: Uh, well, if you remember the uh, back in twenty eleven, this Joplin tornado was the worst tornado swarm I believe that had hit the U S. that year. And as I said, one hundred and fifty eight people killed, a lot of damage, crazy, crazy mess as far as people's lives were concerned.
0: So just during that then.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, this only came in the other day from Wahaba, and uh, we're going to research some of this. You don't know this yet. We're going to research this (laughs)
3: uh,
1: and see if there are any more reports of this, and there really must be. There are general reports of children talking about angels or benign beings of some kind, uh, you know, light beings or something, who uh, rescue them during things like this. But what gets me is this last statement of this four-year-old boy who was with, uh, according to the paper anyway, uh, or at least Yahoo News, whisked six miles into a field and he survived right. Th- that's not unknown with people of all ages but it's very you know it, it's it's exceptionally rare I mean you get flung six miles and you survive I mean you know um, yeah. yeah. so um, I find that very interesting
2: I've noticed that there is a new sort of a new wave quote unquote of different experiences I guess this is Part of it, I suppose, because I was talking to a couple of my coworkers the other day, because they were, they, they found out that, that, uh, that I helped you, that you and I wrote a book together, and I don't talk about any of this with my coworkers, I like to keep my, my relationship strictly professional. And they're like, whoa, you wrote a book about paranormal stuff? Like, we gotta talk to you, so they dragged me into their office, and <laughs> they were like berating me with questions, and one of them, um, they, they brought up a lot of interesting things I'd, I'd never heard of before, surprisingly. Really? Yeah, there's... That there's a lot. Yeah, I know. There was a phenomenon known as the stairways in the woods. Where, stairways in the woods? Yes, where there are just stairs in the middle of nowhere in the woods. I don't know how true this is. I don't know if it's just an urban legend kind of thing. But supposedly hunters will go deep, deep, deep into the woods and they'll just see these stairs they going go down nowhere, or up? Up. Up that go up Jacob's they,
1: ladder kind of thing
2: I guess but they just go they go nowhere it'll be like three or four steps like not not even like stone steps like just like regular steps like made of wood two by fours just like going nowhere as if there should be a house there but there's nothing there or they go like higher up like a spiral staircase or something they were showing me pictures and I was pictures like, yeah apparently that they had taken? No, 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 no. The That other people had taken. Mm-hmm. No, they were, they were showing me pictures that other people had taken of these things. And I was like, well, what's the significance of it? They were like, well, a lot of people, like, apparently some, there were, like, some hunters who wrote articles or whatever about it who were just, who were like, you know, I've been hunting for, like, 20 plus years, I've never seen anything like this, and the one time I did see something like this, I blacked out, or, like, they'd have missing time, or, like, they would just get these general feelings of just dread, they, like, don't climb the stairways in the woods, like... Weird things like that, and they also told me about this weird pattern in Boston local local area where every few years a couple college students will go missing between um, I think it was September and April, and it was really weird how they disappear. Like they like one minute they'd be outside a bar or something, never drunk, but like they would be outside they'd be outside of a bar, and usually they'd be wearing something red for some reason. And you'll, you'll see, like, they, the, I guess the, the most recent kid was, like, last year, 2016. And they were, like, clo- like closed-circuit cameras of him, like, moments before he disappeared. He, like, sent... He was outside of this bar. He sent his sister a text on the inside. It was like, hey, they won't let me back in. Like, let's leave. So there's video of him in a closed-circuit camera on his phone, walks away. Sister walks outside. Kid's gone. He just disappeared for two weeks, and his body turned up in the Charles River after they already combed the Charles River. And it's always two weeks after... These kids disappear. So it's usually college-age men. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. mention it. Yeah,
0: this it, it happened quite a lot. Actually, I've been following some of those stories. It's really? happening more and more. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, like I crazy. think it was like last year. There were like three people who disappeared here before that. Two year before that. One. Then it was like sporadic between 2001 to now. So apparently, um, it, it was really interesting. I'd never, would I'd, I'd never heard that before, and I was
1: just like, wait, that's a thing. Is this in Boston only in Boston or I mean, there San are other, Francisco too? San Francisco too. Because yeah. Providence is a college town, and uh, yeah, it's weird because I was like, "Are
2: you sure it's not like a serial killer?" And they were like, "No, certainly New there's, York." They, there's no sign of a struggle. They just disappear and turn up.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some that hasn't turned up, but they, they there's um, s- there was one particular bar where there's there's cameras all over the place. There's cameras outside. There's cameras inside. They see the guy um, inside. He walks just outside of one camera where he should have, um, there was one blind spot where he should have went into the vision of another camera um, and then let outside. He didn't show up in any of those cameras, not you know not after that blind spot, uh, not outside, and he just poof, gone. They, no one's found him yet.
1: Of course, this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, you, you can trace disappearing people and appearing people as well all the way back. Really, through human history. Well, it's that's far- what I
0: was saying. But like,
1: usually, if they they appear, they're still alive. That's <laughs> well, not always. But I get your point. But th- this could be a result of something a lot of us are nervous about, privacy-wise, which is cameras everywhere. Everybody's got cameras on their phones and records everything. And uh, yeah. you're already having a paranormal experience yeah. there. <laughs> I?
0: Someone in my eye.
1: Oh, okay. Hopefully, not a butterfly person. Well, it's like. But, um, Oh jeez
2: now 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 this has got me thinking about another another really weird case. Uh, I forgot what her name was. There was like a video that surfaced of this this woman I think she was a like a like a like a microbiologist or something and um she was staying at this hotel, and there was this video that popped up of her. Like, inside of, of the elevator, because she disappeared, like, right after this video, like, right like after she was in this elevator, and she was, like, running away from something. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, what was her name? Like, Dr. Lamb or something? I don't know, I can't remember her name. But she appeared inside of the water tower right. on top of the hotel.
0: And there was, like, no way for her to get there. There was no oh, ladder yes. or nothing. I
1: remember a report of that as well, yeah.
0: Right, there was no ladder. There was It was very impossible for her to get, get up into there. Yeah. And remove the lid and all that stuff, but the lid was closed, I believe, if I remember correctly, or something like that, or... Um, but, yeah, she was frantic. She got in there. She looked paranoid. She was, you know, um, uh, visually upset, and then uh, she ran out of there, and then they found her up, up on top of a roof or in the water tower.
2: I thought it was interesting because the elevator door never closed.
0: Yeah, th- that's it, true. It never
2: closed. That's, Usually they closed, but it never closed. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. Well, there we are. Uh, we would love to hear reports of whether it be butterfly people or whatever your children may call them strange experiences of appearing and disappearing missing time we're always open to that uh, i think it's
0: interesting too like in this case because uh, you know where there was a mass you know mass, mass death or whatever um that these things showed up and then around the time of the the bridge collapse with the mothman i mean mothman shows up and then we hear of UFOs showing up in areas where the right before there's you know mass casualty and yeah it, it i mean this has been going on and on and on you know it's
1: been going on forever pretty much yeah, yeah. You can go back to ancient Egypt and uh, Amenhotep IV allegedly seeing uh, the sun disc. A lot of people interpret that as a UFO experience and he did away with all of traditional Egy- Egyptian religion and all people worshipped was this disc. So, And then his his son, none other than Tutankhamun, uh, brought back the old gods and stuff and put things back to the way they should have been for the status quo. But uh, Amenhotep IV, very, very strange guy. So you can go all the way back in history with this. So um, did... Uh, let's give our contact information one more time in case people would like to report things like this. Um, now, again, you know, if we don't know you, I mean, we have to take it with a grain of salt, obviously, and be, and be healthily skeptical, but we we do like to hear the uh, the information. So Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com, Ben at com, or Shane at, which do you prefer, TrueGhost.com or...
0: Yeah, trueghost.com. My email address is in there.
1: Okay, great. And uh, we we have to give you a show address. You're you're like one of our brothers here. Yeah, there you go. Okay, cool. (laughs) All right, very good. So, um, again, all stemming from uh, Wahaba's uh, submission of this story about the butterfly people during the Joplin tornado of 2011. Good stuff. Thank you, Wahaba. Okay, so uh, let's move on to Derek from Altoona, Pennsylvania.
2: Uh yes, if yes, you yes, yes, I feel like we read this, but you know, let's read it again. You're, you're,
1: you're always having uh, parallel life experiences and uh, Mandela effect, so maybe you should read it again. No, because
2: I remember very clearly the last question, which has been, what say you? I remember that because I thought that was really funny before.
1: Well, I remember these butterfly people when you were a kid trying to take you away, and I stopped. Them, so, oh yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate right. that. Uh, <laughs> So Derek
2: writes to us, I have
1: listened with interest to your
2: amazing experiences in uh, your Pennsylvania Triangle case, especially in your YouTube videos. Uh, Paul, have, how come you felt privileged to see Bigfoot and Shane did not? Uh, why are some paranormal events a privilege and some scary? Ben, what say you?
1: <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you, got the, against
2: us. you got the first part of the question,
1: so... All right. Well, I, I, I don't know why I felt privileged, it just, it, it was totally unexpected, Mo- usually when something paranormal happens to you, it is, as much, you know, you may be there investigating a case, but when it does happen, it, at least to me anyway, it's, it's something unexpected, it happens at an unexpected place, sometimes in an unexpected way, so I was out in this field in September, <clears throat> looking for weird lights that we'd captured the previous May in this Pennsylvania field, um, you know, on, on uh, in photographs. So I, I didn't expect what I saw. I was looking to the left. The window of the truck was open. It was a chilly night. If anybody in the Northeast remembers the night of uh, September 16th, 2016, it was brilliant moonlight that night. A few clouds, but very, very bright, bright night. And um, I looked to the right, because the window of my truck on the driver's side was open, because that's where I expected to see see something. Where I actually did see something was through the closed window on the other side. But it was very clear, lit up by the moonlight, large, (coughs) uh, two-legged, hairy creature, moving very peacefully up through this field. I remember the the knees and legs going up and down. And a a head bowed as if looking for something in the grass. And Shane and I checked that out the next morning, and sure enough, there was a, a... something big had moved through that area and then moved back and then one of the neighbors had heard this and had come up and I saw them shining lights up in the trees but the point being for some strange reason I felt very, very privileged. Now Shane, you yourself had a Bigfoot experience if that's what it was uh, on our previous visit, which was in May of last year, and right. did you feel privileged
0: yeah yeah, and I think we did cover this question, but I can a- I can um, explain i um, 'm
1: having the Mandela <laughs> yeah.
0: but I can explain you know my, my experience better to uh, for, for Derek and um, I absolutely did feel privileged but initially when i'm when i 'm describing you know what what I saw um, I was more confused because i i couldn 't quite make out what it was um, i'd never seen anything move like it and i 'm more you know what am I looking at you know is this a horse? is this, what is this, but I I didn't know uh, because of my vantage point um, how big this thing was. I I wouldn't know until I got up there. That's why I took note of the top of the sign and saying, all right, this thing come up to the top of that sign. And we sign photographed there. that later. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so um, so initially, I'm just confused because I've never seen anything move like this. I've never seen any kind of, you know, whatever this is, I've never seen this before. Uh, that's all I know. And, and it was surreal. So th- that's how I felt initially. So once I drove up there, tried to cut it off and, and it was gone. And I backed back up. And once I walked up to that that sign, then you know then everything started to you know sink in and that um and then you know i did absolutely feel privileged because um i didn't go there expecting to see that even though we had reports of this and i had trail cameras that i was putting out in the woods for that reason to try to capture this i really never expected to to witness something like this on that visit that you know we just got there you know it was like what was our first day you know what we spent the night and then it was really our first day right that um was that the first well, it was
1: it was a second day but it was our first ex- expedition I
0: right yeah. yeah so i'm expecting some lights if we're lucky you know stuff like that and we can just check check out the landscape and maybe you know but um yeah so i never expected that so it was definitely a privilege to, to get to see something like that
1: well you know and ben maybe want to comment on this we have a we are constructed as as beings as uh, physical beings to have a certain reaction to danger and a certain reaction to, in a certain way, maybe to to feel that we're not in danger. So obviously we're not going to feel privileged if we feel that we're in danger. So (laughs) if if nothing else, this may say that at least what is within us, the powers within us, if you want to call psychic or survival or whatever term you want to apply to it, maybe uh, we sense that these uh, particular creatures, whatever they may be, we call them Bigfoot if that's what it was, uh, are not hostile and are in fact perhaps benign, toward us now the natives will talk about and you've talked about this too Shane uh keepers of the game mm-hmm. uh, as they are known in the to many of the peoples of, of this planet the what, regardless of the name we apply to them bigfoot right. or yeti or whatever um others um have had sometimes negative experiences but perhaps because they're messing around in that habitat we always approach with respect uh, these things, and I think maybe if this is, this is what's going on, they, they pick that up. So anyway, it's time for our break. Bottom of the hour here, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our guest co-host Shane Sirway on our open line show today on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley, broadcasting for the 70th year in a row. Be right back.
0: Hi, everyone. This is your Mater D in the Tiki Bar, Joe Callahan, inviting you into the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 until 7 p.m. It's nothing but the best in Jimmy Buffett music for the full hour. Six to seven Tuesday nights, right here on ON Radio. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by Papa John's Pizza, 1049 Pass Avenue on the corner of Mendon Road here in Woonsocket. Remember, better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's. It's the Tiki Bar right here on ON 1240 WOON Woonsocket Radio every Tuesday night from six to seven.
1: Get that button there, Ben. Welcome back, everyone. Behind the Paranormal one. with Paul and Ben Eno and the co-host Shane Sirway today our open line show. Let me give our numbers again. It is locally, Northern Rhode Island, 401-766-1240. And from anywhere in the USA or Canada, 800-449-1240. And we're having an interesting conversation based on some of our Facebook communications. And we have one more. Uh, let's share. This is Tara from Tara from Douglas, Massachusetts, right in our listening area.
2: All right, so Tara, or
1: Tara, writes
2: to us, I love your first YouTube video on the Connecticut case. Paul, how do you explain you're hearing the galloping horses and feeling the wind but not seeing it?
1: Okay, yeah, you know, I think we have, I don't know. But no, no, <laughs> there, someone about the, else has asked questions like about, that.
2: Talking about behind the paranormal effect, huh?
1: Yes, right. Well, anyway, Tara, uh, to answer your question on this, others have asked it as well. It's a good question. Uh, this goes back to 05. Ben and I, our first visit to the case uh the house that was sort of the center of this case in the litchfield triangle that shane was is involved with now too for some years and uh we were shocked at immediate things that kind of happened we could feel people walking around us in the dining room uh the family very very positive so nothing negative uh, was there but i went out Uh, to stand by a stone wall overlooking one of their, uh, part of their property. And all of a sudden I heard a horse galloping and we were to find out that horses figure prominently in this case, uh, galloping up and down hallways and things. Believe it or not, this is what people hear. They don't see it. But again, why did they not see it? And why didn't I see it when it went galloping by me outside the house? Even though there were physical effects, uh, there was a breeze as as if a large animal had passed by. Uh, People have also asked me, you know, horses have a unique smell. Not necessarily unpleasant, but you can smell a horse a mile away. Not a mile away, but, you know, when you're close. And I did not smell anything. So certain senses were involved, certain senses were not. But I could, of course, clearly see the the breeze uh, from this. And I checked... Uh, other trees like across the road and they were not there was, there was no real breeze at the time it seemed to be from some passing large passing object so I think it's because uh, of what we said a little earlier in the show, that when you have a paranormal experience, it's quite possible, uh, if if this parallel world theory is correct, as opposed to the spiritualist 19th century theory, that you're, you're having the experience and you are partially in the world of whatever it is you're experiencing, just as it is partially in yours. Everyone participates in, in paranormal experiences. You don't just sit there like a lump and it just happens to you. Right? So, uh, in any case, I think that that is the explanation for that had uh, perhaps I'd been more in across the the world boundary, uh I would have perhaps seen it uh should the family at times be uh across the boundaries that that this house seems to be full of you know all sorts of intersects going on, maybe they would have uh more sightings than they do a lot of the and perhaps shane uh, would agree here i don't know that and ben too most of the the phenomenon in the south seems to be auditory um and but people do see things uh, right you know and particularly grays you know which are usually associated with ufos and aliens you know looking over stair rails and all this business so everything's happened in this house but much of it seems to be auditory and there are other communications i won't Read today from Donna in the house with reports of things she has recently obtained on on uh, recorded media. Recording media. So um, that's something for another day. So that's my answer to that. What do you think, Ben?
2: What do I? Well, you think? you
1: you've sometimes had experiences that are auditory as opposed to.
2: Well, maybe yes and no. I don't know. I um. I, I think I think I tend to agree agree with you that it's it's more. We're partially in that world, but not really in it. It's, hmm, I don't know. I'm not really sure how to how, how to how to describe it. I think I think you probably got it
1: best. Well, thank you. I always like to hear that from your son, Shane.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same same here. Uh, I think a lot of it too. I mean, um, everything's you know uh, energy, uh, vibration, frequency, um, and you know uh, at least most of it. And so uh, a lot of these events, a lot of these different things. Um, have to be brought into a level or into a field that allows us to process that that you know what's going on in that parallel so sometimes we can sometimes we can't but different things allow um, those things to become processed to allow us to process that that you know that that noise or that you know that visual or whatever Um, and you know there's all kinds of different things that play into that but um so I I think you know um I've I've ran into cases where well, actually at Donna's I heard a um a train you know
1: Yeah mm, um, right, I remember that yeah.
0: yeah I've been on another case where um um actually the the people everyone in this house said in the barn they they would feel like a horse they'd open the door and they feel like a horse run by them mm-hmm. I didn't experience that when I was there but I experienced other things um but um, you know, but I have heard you know horses. I've heard you know cars that weren't there. We hear music that that's not there. You yeah, know? yeah.
1: Um,
0: so um, you know, I think I think the uh, within the parallels and all that, the the energy and the frequency and the vibrations have a lot to do with it and how our brain processes all that. So, um.
1: okay. Now we have uh, <clears throat> one from Stephanie in Michigan. But before we get to that, I wanted to give Shane a chance to fill us in on the. Uh, UFO goings on in southern New Hampshire. We did a whole show last week with with Ryan Mullahi, a good friend of all of us, who has um, been a chronicler of the history of UFOs in New Hampshire, particularly when it can, comes to the 509th Bomb Wing Air Force unit that was involved in 1947 in the Roswell crash, allegedly a UFO crash and bodies found and all this business. Very well-known story. And uh, but a lot of people don't know that they moved from Roswell in 1958 to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Pease Air Force Base, which is um, kind of an odd move. We talked about that last week with Ryan, and um, that's as as background that a lot of weird UFO stuff has happened in New Hampshire uh, there was always something strange, but now you, since '58, there have been a lot of very strange and prominent cases that have occurred in New Hampshire. So, Shane, you yourself have been a witness to some of these in the most recent
0: years. Yeah, and, and actually when you had Ryan on uh, last week when I called in, I, I didn't have a chance to, to talk about this, but... Um, Back in the back when I was in my early to mid twenties, I was a, a pipe fitter, and I actually worked at Pease Air Force Base, and I also was um, I also worked at the the Navy shipyard right there in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. And in both uh, facilities, I had reports from people that were um, stationed both you know at both places um, about you know, strange going goings on like UFOs and stuff like that. And actually some of the Navy guys coming off the submarines, they had all those big nuclear submarines and they would come mm-hmm. into the dry docks and they would dock and they would come out and you know, they'd they'd be uh just dying to see a new face, you know, they'd been out in the seas for, you know, oh, however yeah, long, me about you know.
1: That, that, that done duty on one submarine one time, and I was in the Army.
0: Yeah, so very friendly, and they they would tell all kinds of USOs and stuff and all kinds of stories for us, and I can't recall details. But, yeah, uh, Portsmouth Navy, Shipyard, and Pease Air Force has a history, so I never got to bring that up. But uh, the one I I discussed on the show, um, what happened back in the first week of September, was a giant, giant uh, white... UFO over over Jaffrey, New Hampshire. It was just the reports are coming in from Jaffrey, but I'm sure it was you know possibly seen um, in different directions. Um, it was in the direction of they said Peterborough, Hancock, New Hampshire, which was just a week later where these military fighter jets flew over um, and, and set off countermeasure flares over Hancock. Uh, but leading up to that just following the ufo sighting was uh multiple black helicopters flying over that area circling, and um and then we had the fighter jet and then it was just um i i witnessed a few silver discs up in my town which is one town over um but i keep getting more and more reports about that uh, that first week of september of that giant massive um ufo over jeffrey people are still telling me about people that don't know each other it just keeps you know coming in and um and there are still strange lights in that area that you see t- from time to time i'm getting reports from other people some people are calling seeing some orange ones um, one particular was in um being seen uh, a few times over Peterborough, new hampshire um and and uh but a lot of silver discs um, and then and now we got actually just the other day it was another uh another fighter jet that flew over, but they said they were doing they were doing some kind of um uh, test for a new piece of equipment, because we have a lot of uh, intelligence contractors up our way and um but it was just kind of weird because the day after that we have black military helicopter or oh'm uh, sorry these ones were just black helicopters, not military but just the you know following that day uh, two consecutive days in a row, we had black helicopters flying over one circle in the area i was I was working at, so uh quite interesting i mean um i'm you know, um, I'm definitely going to um, pay more attention. And a lot of them are coming in from late, late at night, you know, between um, the massive one was between the hours of 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Eastern time. and then. Um, but now I'm getting some more reports about uh, actually quite a few different reports from different incidents uh, between the hours of 3 and 4 in the morning okay. in our area. Well,
1: we're going to be speaking again at the uh, Exeter uh, Kiwanis UFO Festival. We've done that every year for years and years want to get you in there too and we're going to be um that's going to be Labor Day weekend September of this year and uh, we'll be telling you more about that as we go but we're, that's the, that's the place to be in right? yeah. <laughs> New England <for laughs> UFOs okay so let's uh, <clears throat> let's move on to um Stephanie from Michigan and the first paragraph here um it's we're not trying to you know shamelessly self-promote our book but although we we <laughs> If the audience is duly impressed, we're not going to object. But that's just to give us background to what comes in the second paragraph, for sure. So
2: you just want me to read the second
1: paragraph? No. <sighs> okay. Read the,
2: the whole okay. So, hello, Paul, uh, as Stephanie writes to us. Uh, I finished the book and absolutely loved it. Uh, it answered so many questions and shared so many feelings that I've had and perspectives and beliefs I hold on to. Thank you. I understand now and uh, feel good thinking it so that my ability uh, to see into the future and speak... Uh, with the deceased is uh, because of the multiverse we live in. Uh, It makes complete sense to me. I think, too, uh, that my dreams at night may sometimes be a vehicle for me to move between realities. Could that be? Okay, well, let's answer that one first, for sure. Ben? Uh, Yes. I mean, nobody really knows what dreams are, anyway. A lot of people have, like, decent ideas about it. Most uh, modern psychologists just say, ah, it's like movies in your brain. But I, I don't think it's that simple. I think, um... A lot of portions of the brain shut off while you're sleeping, so it's, you know, I know the frontal lobe shuts down and a couple other portions of it shut down, so, I mean, you know, you don't have to deal with logic.
0: In other areas, wake
2: up. Yeah, (laughs) essentially, I guess, but that's, like, my four-year-old neurology, like, lesson, so things might have changed, like, a million times between then and now. So I mean, most most people don't really know, but I think I think it, I think it does. You know, the, the, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that people dreaming are going into other worlds. For example, that one case you had in Maine, where that woman was haunting a house, but she was still alive, but she saw it in her dreams. Yeah, right. So I mean,
1: you know, and they it, saw her. It. Yeah,
2: exactly. Oh. So I mean, but not at
1: the same time, which is very intriguing. I mean, you know, time is just a function of consciousness. Well, precisely. So, I mean, I I can I can agree with that what say you father? well, I'd say what say Shane at this point
0: absolutely what says shane you know? yeah, absolutely Cause, um ever since a uh, er, early age and uh, you know it's been my whole life as um dreams are huge with with how i work and um my my dreams have always um you know I dream about places I've never been I dream about people I have never met that i'll I'll meet a day or two later. And I mean exactly the way it was supposed to you know the way it was in my dream, um but you know not the same event I would just see them in their pla you know w- doing their thing and um and then a few days later, I would walk into that place and here's the same place I dreamt about the same person you know um not dreaming about the you know the event when I was actually there, but um just seeing them in their place and then I would later on meet you know meet them and um different situations like that um I've dreamt about, you know, accidents that yeah, I didn't say anything about and ended up happening and, and that's when I learned to start opening my mouth when I was younger.
1: Very dramatic. I remember that description of whether your sister was involved? Yeah, yeah.
0: <coughs> yeah. Um, five five kids got um, um killed in a car accident, two different vehicles at the same time. And, and I dreamt about it and, um, you know, being young and, you know, just saying, oh, you know, people think I'm nuts, you know, and, um, I never said anything, but it just, it left a knot in my stomach. I felt horrible, you know, and, and, um, about this dream that I had, it it just couldn't get out of my head. It was so graphic and, and everything and, um, and it ended up happening. And, and so after that, I just, I don't care, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. If, if, if I feel that strong about it, I'm going to mm-hmm. bring it up. So there's definitely, I mean, and I'm not the only one. You know, everyone has dreams like that. Um, some people don't remember them, but the ones that do, I mean, but dreams are very, very, very powerful.
1: Well, one thing for, to approach this from a different angle, dreams, when when you don't have dreams, which occur during rapid eye movement sleep or REM sleep, which is, as I understand it, is the deepest form of sleep. Yeah. <clears throat> if you don't have dreams or... Then you are in psychological difficulty, maybe even physical difficulty. But of course that means you're not having REM sleep, which is very important to your physical well-being. So it all kind of goes together.
2: Oh, that makes sense.
1: <clears throat> you know, so, uh, but again, briefly, um, I mean, uh, my, my strange ski- sleep schedule when I worked for the Province Journal, when you and your brother were little, Ben, uh, I would get, get out of the news, pit, newsroom like at one or two in the morning because you put out the morning paper the night before, get home, Get up very early to take you and your brother to the school bus because your mom worked nine to five, and um, I would sleep in the afternoon to make up for it so I, I because of that broken sleep schedule, I remembered a lot of dreams and I wrote them down. I would remember being in the same place as many times, having memories of that whole life there, sometimes with your mom, sometimes with other people and uh, it was um, it, it was really an uh, several other, uh, a number of other different lives that seem to, you know, if I'm interpreting it correctly. So, for whatever that's worth, uh, okay, let's, let's get into the rest of Stephanie's question.
2: Okie doke. uh, so she, she, uh, Continues, I wanted to share a story with you. About three springs ago, my husband and I were planting a row of raspberry bushes in our backyard garden. Uh, It was a beautiful, quiet day in our neighborhood. It was a beautiful day in our neighborhood. (laughs) I know know, you couldn't resist (laughs) that. No. Uh, We were both both loving it, and uh, we were both working quietly. Uh, Planting raspberries brought back memories of my great-aunt Florence and my uncle Cecil's farm up north, Growing up, we used to visit them every weekend, and I would, uh, pick and eat all the raspberries my heart desired. All the raspberries? Uh, but <laughs> all of them. Uh, so there I was, so there I was on that beautiful spring day, planting my own raspberry bushes and thinking of my great aunt and uncle. Then all of a sudden I hear, oh, Stephanie, I love you. Upon hearing this, I was so surprised I looked at my husband, my husband looked at me. I asked what he heard. He repeated, oh, Stephanie, I love you. Uh, what we... Steffi. Oh, Steffi. Sorry. Uh... We looked at our gate, and there sat a beautiful red cardinal, and it looked back at us and flew down the driveway. Joe ran to the gate and down the driveway. Initially, we were both worried. We thought the uh, voice was of my mother, and that she was coming up our driveway, distraught over someone's death, but there was no one there. Uh, No one was outside. It was quiet. Joe ran back to me, and I I just cried. I realized who it was. It was my great-aunt Florence. She and my grandma, her sister, uh, were the only two who ever called me Steffi. Uh, it was very emotional for me I still get tears in my eyes thinking about it She told me she loved me It had been 27 years since she'd passed And Joe, had, who had never met her, heard her He heard her too uh, He had not heard He had not heard her I would have thought I was losing my mind now, I had to share that with you Any insights are always welcome and appreciated Always the best Oh, and I ordered another book And I didn't realize <laughs> you had written more Can't wait, you're a gifted writer Lo- well, uh, right, Thank you, can. Stephanie
1: we'll Always uh, take any compliments we can get But thank you, Stephanie very interesting, uh but also I think very common uh but the question is you know th- the implication may be you know is this did this was this cardinal some kind of manifestation of something and you know or or was it just irrelevant to the the whole experience Shane what do you think yeah, you I ever mean- heard of animals uh
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, okay. and especially you know Native Americans too, you know sure yeah, all the time.
1: absolutely, yeah,
0: but guardians, um, yeah, absolutely, and um so, but I've heard stories like this, you know, whether people hearing uh voices of loved ones at certain times or, or seeing them at certain times, and um you know uh but it happens i mean we we hear this, you know. Yeah. So, but interesting. Um, and just the, sorry, the cardinal made me think of a listener that we have that just posted about a cardinal, but it, uh, it doesn't have a great ending, so I won't tell the story. But okay, i uh, will we'll uh, save that for our, our another adventure. T- yeah. Our friend Todd Martin there. Um, he come just there. Uh, had a uh, encounter with a cardinal the other day. Oh
1: Okay. Well, I have encounters uh, with them at the bird feeders there, but uh, uh, no. I mean, I, I've, uh, in spite of myself, and my attempt to sure, remain academic, pretty much in this. Um, field is uh, encounters with what appear to be bears things of this kind that whether a native elder would say that bear is my guardian spirit or whatever, or whatever however they would put it um, I usually try and kind of stay away from that at least publicly but uh, you know I've seen um, I've seen them you know, and right. I'm sure you have, too. So uh, I think uh, the relationship between animals and uh, this phenomenon, as a matter of fact, in our book that she referred to, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, now available in stores, uh, then you, you could, we have a whole chapter on animals and the paranormal. So people can uh, take that for what it's worth, but I think it's very possible that there may have been something uh, going on here. Uh, we have a call, Bill from Franklin, Massachusetts. Bill, are you with us? Hello. Hello, Bill. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. If it's yeah, the same bell, I'm thinking of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, go- I'm glad to be a senior when you when, when you come to Franklin.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about that in a minute. We're going to be at the Franklin Library next Thursday. Yeah, uh, giving a talk. So yeah, it'll be great to meet you. I Feel like we've known you for years. You call into the show now and then. And
0: when you when you talk about dreams, you know, you know the, my dreams are like like a whole another life. You know. Yeah. And and this there's, and, there's, and there's people in the dreams, I don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. When
1: when you look at it from this point of view, maybe in the dream I know who they are, but. From this point of view, I don't know who they are, you know? Yeah, oh, sure, sure. No, that's, uh, I think all of us sitting here can say that. Right.
0: And if I'm, and if I'm afraid something's going to happen, I'll wake up before it happens, because I don't want to see that the horrible thing happen, or if it's going to, you know?
1: Mm. It, with Shane, maybe you have a response to that.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um I actually um, had a report from a, a girl who who was dreaming about a, a you know a different world where she had a fiance and and it was so real and and she looked forward to sleeping every night so she could go to this place because she was in love and she didn't have love in in this life but it, in her dreams she did in that life and. Um, in the dream, he broke up with her, and she, it, she, it so which as a, as wake, it just destroyed her. You know, she's she's crying all the time. It was this was real. This this dream life was yeah. real to her. She absolutely knew, without a doubt, this was a real, a real thing.
1: Okay. Well, thanks, Bill. Actually, we have another caller, so we'll uh, have okay. to see you in Franklin on Thursday. Okay. Okay. Bye. All right. Uh, who do we have, Ben?
3: Phil. Hey, Phil. Paul. This is listener Phil.
1: Oh, hello, Phil, from um, Orange. Orange, Orange, Massachusetts, right. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky I remember where <laughs> wow, I live what at a, my age. What a memory. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> what do you got, Phil?
3: Two comments. The first regarding butterfly people. Um, very fascinating story. Um, I had recently read that um, cosmonauts reported seeing winged beings floating around in a purple cloud um not a purple haze a purple cloud hmm. and um this led me to wonder if if these wings that people see either in space where they're completely useless or in in uh, Ver- west virginia on the mothman or whatever maybe wonder if um there may be like epaulets like part of a uniform yeah and and secondly regarding dreams which um fortunately i don't have a explanation for them. I wish I did. I could get a Nobel Prize. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um,
3: you're familiar with the term autonomic nervous system, right? Sure. Um, okay. Well, you know, the government performed experiments back in, the, well, many experiments back in the 50s to find out what would happen, um, for example, to a prisoner um, if, if that prisoner was deprived of sleep. And I don't mean just for a couple of days. It was like for a couple of weeks really grisly stuff. Mm. And what they found was that these people became what we would call psychotic. Right. But those hallucinations were actually waking dreams. And so what occurred to me was maybe we're born with a mechanism similar to the structure of our autonomic system, which forces us to breathe whether we want to or not. Um, maybe, Maybe it is so important for us to enter or or to come close to entering a parallel reality for, for some reason that we don't know, um, that really dreaming is something we have to do. We don't have a choice, and that it's built into us. We just haven't found the wiring for it. So well, those are my yeah. two thoughts on butterfly people and dreaming.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Phil. Uh, food for thought, certainly. Very good.
3: Um, okay. Well, but no questions. T- just enjoying the show. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Goodbye. Okay. So um, I think we probably better move on uh, to our announcements here. There are quite a few.
2: Oh, they never end. No, they don't. Ready? So our new book, Sign Be- of
1: Life, right, Ben?
2: Oh, Yes. yes. Well, our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know Is Wrong, is in most bookstores, and, uh, if they don't have it, they can get it. Uh, there's also, uh, they're, they're also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online realtor- re- retailers as well. Uh, but if you're really hardcore and you want to get an autographed copy, you can go to our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, or our main website, NewEnglandGhosts.com. Uh,
1: this Thursday, as we mentioned, uh, January 19th, we will be doing a presentation and book signing at the Franklin Public Library, uh, that's in Massachusetts. Uh, it's not, apparently not at the main branch. It's going to be there, and that's being renovated, and so we'll be in, in the temporary address at 25 Kinwood Circle, Franklin, Mass. That begins at 6.30 p.m. You can certainly check the, uh, the town website and the library page to uh, find out uh, further details on that. So on Saturday,
2: February 18th, uh, we'll be at the Danbury, Con- uh, Danbury, Connecticut Public Library for a program in book signing beginning, beginning at 10.30 a.m. And Saturday, March 11th, you can find us at the Book Lovers Gourmet uh, Bookstore in Webster, Massachusetts for a presentation and signing beginning at 2.00.
1: Uh that's two in the afternoon, not in the morning. I yes, hope. yeah. I, okay. The following week, Saturday, March eighteenth, we'll be presenting and signing at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire. Sh- Shane put us on to that and they were really excited up in his up his way. And then on Saturday, April 29th, we'll speak at the twenty seventeen Northeast Parafest in Kiddery, Maine. And Shane, you're gonna be there too, I believe? Yes. Good. Uh, new events are being added frequently, so check BehindTheParanormal.com or our show Facebook page for updates. Now, Ben, before you continue, Shane, uh, give us, tell us a little bit about yourself and give us uh, your website as well where people can find out more about you or where they can contact you.
0: Yep, TrueGhost.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T.com. You'll find a little bit about me. My contact information is right there, email and cell phone number, and uh, feel free to give me a ring or, or uh, shoot me an email.
1: We have the highest opinion of Shane as an investigator, and we don't do that. <laughs> okay, so he's uh,
0: he's, he's, the he's the guy. Absolutely, Likewise.
1: yeah, exactly. Not that we're so great, but I mean we, we're very skeptical about a lot of these people, and Shane is not one of them. So anyway, uh, Ben. Yes, and we have our new YouTube channel,
2: or well, not so new YouTube channel, Behind the Paranormal Case Files. It is up and running. Our fourth video is forthcoming. Uh, I'm I'm getting used to a new work schedule, so the editing is going to get
1: get get uh, get more. Uh, What's the word?
2: Can't think of a good word for it. Well, more regular.
1: More regular, yes. Yeah, we've had some frustrated people, but there's been a lot going on, uh, some of it... A lot lot of really personal stuff that's been going on. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not really appropriate for radio shows, but we are getting there, and it's going to be about the Bridgeport, Connecticut case that my dad worked on with Ed and Lorraine Warren, and it will be posted... Shortly, uh, find our YouTube channel by uh,
1: checking us out on YouTube, our Facebook page. You can like it and subscribe and do all that good stuff. Yeah, well, Ben and I are not at each other's throats if you think that's what it's about. It's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not no, no, like no. That. Anyway, um, so there we are. Meanwhile, find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you'll find nearly 700 free recorded shows from both ON 1240 here and our four-and-a-half-year run, CBS Radio, uh, along with special shows and podcasts. Uh, there was another book coming out. Uh, we, um, I was, Ben didn't contribute, but uh, I, I was in, I'm, I, I don't know, I suppose it's my uh, uh, cabal with our good friend Tim Beckley. Tim yes. Beckley, a tremendous uh, UFO researcher from way, way back, even long before I was involved. And uh, that's going to be coming out. I don't even know the title yet, but we'll tell you I contributed some stuff on Poltergeist. Well, actually, it's Beyond Amityville. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll know more about that next week. It's at the printer now. Yeah, great. I contributed to it. I don't even know the title, right? <laughs> I, th- I so. feel like he pumps out a book like every other month. Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it takes, takes us five years to write a book. That's true. But All right, anyway, so there we are. Yeah. So uh, Ben and I are working on another book together, and we will tell you more about that next week. Uh, so again, uh, check glo- Amazon.com for Global Communications, a lot of interesting books by uh, Tim Beckley. So... Um,
2: so next Sunday, yep, got next uh, January 22nd, my dad and I will take an hour to talk about what ghosts have to say about God. And uh, we have a forthcoming book next year on that very subject. Sure.
1: So we leave you this afternoon with a quote from French artist and actress Juliette Binoche. What I love most about this crazy life is the adventure of it. So I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno.
0: And I'm Shane Saraway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal.